Welcome back to Detuned Radio. It has been a minute as always. This is it's so long. We don't, have, we don't have a schedule. We don't have a schedule. We have <laughs> we, lives. Uh, oh, man. Boy, do we have lives. I see a mutual friend, um, Nathaniel South, puts out a new pod. Uh, like All the time. Week. I feel like three, week, three <laughs> times a week or something. I'm like, how? <laughs> uh, it's very impressive, Nathaniel. Uh, yeah, he and I also shared a hotel room recently. Uh, uh We went to Audio Feed, um, and then me and a couple of the other guys in my band, uh, we just all split a hotel. So there's four of us just like, you know, we should be super tired because we're setting up and running a festival for four days. But every night we'd get back around midnight and then talk about music stuff to like one thirty or 2. <laughs> so. It sounds like... Uh it sounds like camp or like, I don't know, just any sort of. Ex- oh, 100%. You get back and you're like, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, but you're like giggling and like. 100%. About, 100%. About it was. I very much. Re- I realized the week, a week ago, um, and we'll, we're going to get into what audio feed is later, but I realized that it basically took the role. It has taken the role that like my old church camp that I used to grow up going to. Mm-hmm. Like that's now is like, I go and I see all my friends there once a year and like. We're just hanging out in the hot outside, and you know, eating at a food at a, eating at like a cafeteria meals. <laughs> um, yeah, I. It's funny, like the things that I, the changes you get older in terms of like what you deal with and tolerate. And I've, I know a lot yeah. of people go, Oh, when I was younger, I could do, when I was younger. I could go on a little sleep or I could eat like crap yeah. all weekend to do whatever. And I would counter that and say, I never, I've always <laughs> felt here. I've never been like, Oh, this is great. I'm young. It doesn't matter. No, it's always yeah, sucked. It's my tolerance or my acceptance of it has gone down where I'm like, Oh, I could easily do an all weekend and force myself to, you know, survive on corn dogs and five hours of sleep. I don't want to. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, yeah. Whereas when I was younger, I would be like, ah, whatever. I'm, you know, tough. Right. It's like, ah, oh, we're just going to go for it. No, it was, uh, I was, yeah, it's what I was so sweaty all week. Oh, so, so where we'll get, we'll get there. Later. Okay. I'll we'll get save, there later because I'll something else has happened. Cause we, feed talk we'll save the audio feed talk because it dovetails really nicely into our topic but the other thing that has happened since the last time we recorded which we just looked at the files to make sure that we have them it was may 25th today is what july 10th so (laughs) it's been a while um feels like yesterday yeah, yeah 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 feels like yesterday um we have both seen the cure since then, mm-hmm. and Jesse, was it as life changing for you as it was for me? I like I don't know if it was a life changing. Yeah, was just, I mean that's I a, was that's an over exaggeration, of course. But I was just floored. At, I don't know why I was floored, but I guess I was just sort of like uh, I got two reasons. They still, three they reasons. Still got it. 
They still got yeah. it. There was no. I've seen older band. I've seen bands that are, you know, way older than me, and I, you know, didn't see them in their heyday, and you finally get to see them. I think I've yeah, probably yeah, yeah. on the show before. I saw Bob Dylan in like oh seven. Oh yeah, the worst concert I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, and I'm I, so disappointed. W- yeah, and we the Cure got out there and were amazing. Gosh, yeah. So I think there are three reasons why it's so impressive. Number one is because uh, they're doing this all with wedges, like floor wedges. Like most mm. bands at that level, they oh, are they are doing that. all in-ears, they are doing all like tr- click tracks, whatever. <laughs> there, were, there were a couple moments where I would notice the drummer would like uh, kind of catch the tempo a little bit. Huh. And it was like, oh, this is okay. They're just floor doing wedges, this live. Floor, if you even were lucky enough to have a monitor, yeah. Uh, when you when I played the <laughs> the tiny venues I did, yeah. Um, so if you got a monitor, that was terrible because the sound guy. So like I liked monitors, but then the sound guy never knew how to EQ so yeah, that the yeah, mic yeah. wouldn't feedback. Sure. I don't know what it, I don't know what just put a noise gate on it guys I don't just know a what noise level gate of it's easy. but it's like every sound guy yeah. that I've ever had yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a crappy little bar and they have wedges you can hear yourself unless you're a screaming metal band like they can't do it cuz they they weren't used to a singing person <laughs> they were used to people screaming and I would be like uh, and then they would be like can you sing louder? And I'm like, that's not really our vibe. That's as loud but, as I sing. You know, um, yeah. And then um, just feedback the whole time. <laughs> just put a noise gate on it. Um, the other two reasons, uh, I don't know. I don't know how early San Francisco was in the date, but Chicago was about halfway through the tour. Yeah, I think you were like two weeks after me. Yeah, so we're like two weeks into the tour. They have done, I think I think I counted it, it was the 20th show on the tour. Mm-hmm. And they have been doing two and a half hour, three hour sets yeah. per That's night. Every, that is huge. I have done a few three hour sets and they are exhausting. Mm-hmm. And they are doing this every night. And Robert Smith is 64 years old. Mm-hmm. So to be doing this at that level, and like I saw videos from, uh, and people talking about the shows later on, like, you know, in New York City and Philly, and I had a good friend who saw them in Philly, and, you know, seeing people on Reddit talk about the Atlanta show, and like, they didn't seem to lose any steam. They lost no steam, which to perform at that level 50 years after your first hit, I mean, Jesus. R- Robert's like probably is taking long naps. <laughs> he's, getting, <laughs> he's probably getting his beauty sleep. But yeah, but what's also funny to rough. me is what's also funny to me is that the wrestler Sting is also sixty four years old and oh is still God. also just going crazy. He busted his lip on somebody's knee last week, jumping he's still off wrestling. Yeah, he jumped off of a ladder onto a table. And busted his mouth on the dude's knee. But I'm like, I looked it up because I was curious. He is a month older than Robert Smith. And I'm like, look at these, <laughs> look at these nice, look at these 64-year-old goth dudes living their best life. They're just out here, still all painted up in their black and white. And red sometimes. 
<laughs> but no. So it was, we very unfortunately had to leave um, at the second encore. It was, it, uh, we lose an hour when we drive back from Chicago. And so I had to be up early and my mom was watching the baby. So we had oh, that's to. That's some annoying math to have to do that kind of math when you're just driving. Well, it's like you look at it. Yeah. You look at it and you're like, oh, dang it. It's 11 o'clock. That means it's midnight. Oh, so and then it's like it's a two hour drive home. All right. Whatever. But is it really two hours? Uh, it's from where you live. It depends. I mean, it's usually like an hour. I guess it's the traffic in how bad. Yeah. 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 Hour and a half to hour 45 to this into the city. But then it's. Yeah. You know, traffic and all that. Um, but so we had to leave. It was, uh, also, like, arena shows are just hard. I hate arena shows. We're in the United Center. I'm. Yeah, it's. I mean, I've gone to a bunch of them, and, you know, there's a lot of the em. bands I love. I hate and, them. You know, they. It's like on paper, they sound good. But most venue. Because most of the bands I see are at uh, big like mid-sized venues like yeah, spoon yeah, yeah. or whatever yeah. like in 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 like at so, a decently sized amphitheater and it sounds fantastic and so most of those sound so yeah. good and then they crank it up a little bit more but not like blisteringly loud and arena shows tend to be like the sound is because it's an arena it's so inconsistent yeah. and so sometimes it's too quiet sometimes it's like way too well if you get unlucky to be like right in front of where the hanging yeah, yeah you yeah. know wall of speakers is then it can be blisteringly loud and and then you know and yeah they are little ants on the stage unless you have a thousand dollars to spend and oh man the or only a couple hundred dollars to spend on this tour floor tickets in oh, Chicago yeah, that's right. were they very were, affordable they, were, they went to war with Ticketmaster and yeah. they won um yeah. but no the dude the dude behind me at one point because uh, he was asking like, oh, is the new album out? And I'm like, I turn around because I can't help myself. Um, and I'm like, bro, it doesn't even have a release date. Like yeah, they've yeah, been yeah. playing six songs from the new album since last year. And there's no release date. And he's like, oh, okay, got it. And then at one, like right after that, he kind of nudged me and like offered me his binoculars as if it was like a flask. <laughs> He's like, hey man, you want you want to see, <laughs> like you want some you wanna, of this like seeing good. You want to hit. <laughs> you want to yeah. You want to you want a hit of seeing them close. <laughs> but no, it was it, it was a fantastic show. I yeah, wish they I could. I and wish I could have seen different. them in a different. What's yeah? The sets are different the every sets time. Are different because I yeah. Uh, people, I don't know. Some people think I'm weird. I like looking at setlist.fm. Yes. Uh, which is the community sourced website where uh, all user uploaded, but they upload the set list uh, just like any other, like often in real time, Wikipedia or whatever. Yeah. yeah, there's always a couple dedicated nerds at the show that'll upload it, and God bless them. I like knowing what's coming, both just because yeah. uh, I'm an anxious person, <laughs> but I also like knowing. So if it's an art, I mean, it's rare that I know an artist's entire discography by heart. And so I often want to like, like we just saw Jason Isbell and I looked it up. I was like, okay, is he playing anything off of his very first two records that I don't know as well? Uh, And he wasn't. And so I was like, okay, but like, I don't know. We always just warn and I always do that. Like look it up or like, yeah. So I looked up on set with FM when you went to, or after you went. Yeah. 
I was like, did they play the same set? And no, they changed it. I mean, they're the the hits are there, but the in between stuff. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that's pretty consistent. So I'm pretty sure they're opening with the same couple songs every time. Uh, they've been opening with a new song, and they're like the few new songs that they're playing every set. I was I was surprised that. Uh, it was the first track from Wild Mood Swings and the song they did for the Crow soundtrack uh, seemed to be on every set list I looked at, <laughs> which is kind of a deep cut. But I, I, I appreciate that. But also it's like it's tough because like the hit hits aren't until the last. Yeah, the last encore. And so Michelle was like, I hope they play Friday. I'm in love. You're and like, they did your last immediately after we left. So we left mm-hmm. while and we were walking out and they start playing lullaby and we're like, son of a, and then apparent, I looked at the set list afterward and we heard a bit of the, the song after lullaby. Um, yeah. and then I looked at the set list later and, and Friday I'm in love was, I believe next or the one after that, but it was just like, it's a, th- that Chicago was also the longest show on the tour. Wow. So they they did a solid three hours in Chicago. So I my exp- so my hatred of uh, arena shows is it, like I don't like outdoor shows because the sound just yeah. immediately evaporates and uh-huh. you have to put it up to blistering volumes to uh, give the people in the back any audio. Yeah, and it was the Mountain View. What is it called? The Mountain View? I think it's just called the Mountain View Amphitheater. Or Shoreline. Shoreline yeah. Amphitheater Mountain View. Anyways, that's where, like, one of the giant venues in the Bay Area. And getting in and out is terrible because Mountain View is ultimately, it's farmland. It's farm <laughs> country, right? And Google went in there and built their whole campus there. Yeah. Um, but it's still farmland mostly and just, like, the the infrastructure is not built for that many cars at once. Right. So it's miserable right. getting in and out. So like leaving, it took us an hour and some change to get out of the parking lot, which is just a field. Oh my it's God. just a big dirt. <laughs> it's just a big dirt field it, that they've turned into a parking lot. And it's like yeah. two miles long or something insane. Jeez. And so we're sitting there and we're just waiting to get out. And everybody's late waiting to get on like a one lane road that takes them to the freeway. And so it took us like three hours to get home. I was grumpy. Uh, and then we just saw Jason Isbell in Stanford uh, on Stanford's campus um, at an outdoor venue. And that is like very much built for because it's a college. And so it's yeah. like built for traffic. And like we were in and out. Two side, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. no question. So, all that to say, I have opinions on outdoor amphitheaters. <laughs> both, both the Cure and Jason's Bell were a little too quiet, in my opinion. Yeah, but the, uh, yeah, well, that's you it. know, that's it's it. I and, had a good time. Yeah, it was a great okay. show. I, I, uh, I wrote a post about it um, for Tuned Up, and I, because. Like I said, arenas are like the. I hate seeing any band there, but I feel like The Cure is probably like the least likely arena band of all time because it's like, yeah, most of their stuff is like this is you sit in the dark with a candle or two and <laughs> stare at the ceiling and put on disintegration. Like, it's not like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna go out to the club and listen to 
whatever. And so that you would find 23,000 people or whatever to yeah. fill this arena. And I'm pretty sure the United Center was sold out. I did yeah. not see an empty seat from where I was seeing. And I had, I was sitting high up. Yeah. Um, it's ex- yeah, it's expensive. Even, I mean, even though the Cure did the best they could do with the ticket prices, it was still, yeah. you know. But well, in in the show we were seeing here was the second the show they added on. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I told that I, I don't remember if I did, but I I getting tickets. Warren and I were trying to get tickets. You know, ten a.m. Whatever day they went on sale, we <laughs> yeah. failed, and then they did a second show, and I couldn't. I was like commuting into work or something, and she got them, and I was very grateful. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, they're they're selling out. They they yeah they are selling out all the shows, and it. I commend them for not wanting to get more money than they already are. Because yeah. they're making a payday, for sure, making a payday on that. But they could have easily made five times more. Yeah, <laughs> you know, people would have paid it. It's like the, and this is not. I want to be clear. This is not any hate uh, against Taylor Swift, but the prices. Because I don't, I don't know. I don't know enough about what goes into her tour. But the Eras tour that's going on right now, that's like, you know, I keep seeing on Instagram or Facebook some and they like, town she's in. People are spending like thousands of dollars. Get, and then yeah. there's thousands of dollars if you want even for. And I'm like, I Just would insane. like. If I, I know you're not supposed to think of things like this, but if I had to pee during like the Taylor Swift show. <laughs> I would be like calculating how expensive of a pee that was. I would be like, okay, I am missing from time I got to my, you know, from and back. That was six and a half minutes and I was running part of it. Okay. How much money did I just lose? You know, how much Taylor did I just miss out on? That's well, uh, the nice thing is that you can be sure that the men's room is probably going to have a short line at that show. We, so. I, I think I told you before we saw Harry Styles. We went for Jenny. Oh, Lewis, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Harry Styles in the men's room was like empty. It was, it was kind of hilarious. <laughs> <sighs> That's so funny. But, all right. Um, yeah. So I, uh, I made a, a, a significant purchase the other day. What was your significant purchase? I bought an amplifier. And I, it has taken me very long. Did you, did you need one? No. <laughs> How many not. amps do you currently have? Cause uh, I'm I struggle to buy, if I, if I have something that's working, I struggle to buy like a second one of a thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I'll say like, I'm, I mean, I know mu- mu- instruments and stuff are different. I right. I feel like I am kind of like a bad guitarist in the way of like, I, I've only recently in my life started caring about amps themselves. And so I was Wait, playing out what of... What do you play out of? Well, hold on. I mean, when I say recently, I mean in the last, like, 10 years. Okay. <laughs> like, sure. Not, but I've been playing guitar for, like, you yeah. know, more than 20 years. So I for a long time, I just played out of, like, a, a PV Renown, like, 80s amp that's, like... 80s solid state that's like really shitty distortion tone <laughs> whatever and I didn't, yeah. I didn't know anything about it I just turned everything all the way up to 10 and I just cranked that mother um, 
But I have been, I have a couple uh, tube amps that I've been using as like a solo rig. I've got a Vox AC15, which is like a pretty standard dude. And then uh, a Gibson Falcon, which is Gibson at a very short. I've never heard of that. They had a very short career as an amplifier builder. I um, say, I didn't know. Yeah, it was only a few years. And so the Falcon, it's from the 60s. I'm not sure if I've ever been able to peg the exact year, but I think it was like from 62 to 68 is when it was manufactured. And like, that was it. And Gibson gave mm-hmm. up on amps, but, um, and they've been, they've been doing me pretty happy for a while. They've been doing is me pretty well. Pain in the ass to f- like, have you had to fix it at all? Like, Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I hear of, I have this amp from, you know, I have this Vox and it's the same one the Beatles played. And I go, that's nice. How annoying is it to fix? Yeah, like because um, amps, amps are break. A lot of the older things I think are easier to fix than the newer stuff because the newer stuff is all like printed PCB board. That's true. You just have to wear soldering iron. Yeah, the older ones. Yeah, the older ones are just hand wired, and it's mm. a lot easier to see where all the connections are and whatever. Um, but no, so I was looking through marketplace. I um, I was actually supposed to be staying at home with the baby while Michelle's at the shop, and I. I'm putting her down for a nap and I pick up my phone to scroll Facebook because, you know, you got to wait for a little bit before putting her down. Um, And so I'm just scrolling through Facebook and like the first thing I see is a Sun amplifier. Uh, It was like late 70s, early 80s. And if those of you who are unfamiliar, Sun amplification is just a, a mythic legendary amplifier company. There is a band called Sun that literally yeah. named themselves after the amplifier company because they're, they're they only use those for amps. how heavy they're how yeah. heavy and loud it can get. Which yeah. I don't it's always been seemed so weird to me because I'm always like, well you can turn up any amp, but you know, they are no PC. <laughs> yeah. And so uh it was two hundred dollars. It was in the what? next town over. Yep, and so I am like. Did you I, ask them on a why question? Were you like, "What's the catch?" Or are they oh, really crack- just not worth that much? Oh no, it's worth like six hundred dollars, but it was a crackhead selling it. So, um, oh great! <laughs> so, I. So you're saying you bought a stolen amplifier? Oh no, it was definitely him. It was definitely his because it still had his Metallica stencil on the top of it, which I need to. I need to clumsily m- change it to say me m- m- without you. Just really sure. Just keep the me on there, and yeah. then obviously cover it up. Um, but so I, I'm like, how do I get this amplifier today? And I messaged the guy if it was still available. He said, Yeah, come through. It's a great deal. I'm like, I know it's a great deal, man. That's why I'm trying to get it. I'm like, Okay, can can I if I give you fifty dollars now? Will you hold on f- to it for me? Because I can't probably can't get over there till like six o'clock. And he's like, "Okay, yeah, sure." Which I realize now I had no guarantee that he was. Sure, I mean, that's sure. <laughs> it's, you're taking a risk. I mean, I'm doing anything aftermarket. You're yeah, taking a risk. I you know I'm just high on the idea that maybe I'm going to get this crazy deal on an amplifier. Yeah. Um, and so ended up being able to drop. Uh, our daughter off at Michelle's shop and like right at the next nap time. So like she's napping and I'm like, I'm going to head over there. It's going to take me like an hour to go there and back. And I take off 
And I pull up to this guy's place and he's like, uh, he's got this trailer that he's living in with like seven or eight cars in the driveway. You know, that move, that whole move. And well, I love the idea of (laughs) plugging this amp in, in a trailer. It's like, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) I mean, it wasn't a trailer park. Like he had like his own like property that he had. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that'd still rattle his own. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. But so he's, uh, I pull up and like, he's got this dog that's not chained up to nothing. Just, I mean, really sweet dog, but still. And he's trying to sell me stuff like as I'm walking in. And he's like, hey, you want some rims for your van? You want a mower? You want to? I'm like, no, 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 no. I just really need, I need to get the stamp and go home. I need to pick up my daughter back from my, my wife's shop. I need, I just need to get it. And he's like, all right, it's through here. And he, oh, and he, takes me in there and he must have built like a breezeway between the trailer and his garage because he pulls me like he leads me into this like hallway thing that had zero lights in it and i'm like i just turn on my phone so and he I'm has like, a garage for his tra- but i've never heard of having a trailer and a garage i guess yeah it's huh. like a like a big shed huh that he had built a, a hallway between. Okay. So I completely ignore all the murder, all the survival instincts I have to not follow mm-hmm. this crackhead into the dark. And I just go through and we get into the garage and he's like, all right, I just had a fire in here not too long ago and I haven't had a chance to clean everything up yet. So be careful what you touch. I'm like, cool. And that's about where I'm like, yeah, I need to. All right, I need Just to start routinely getting, having <laughs> fires. Routine fires, you know. He's like, but the amp is fine. The amp is totally fine. I'm like, okay. So I get it. I don't even plug it in. I'm just like, even if this thing is two hundred dollars, like even if the thing is broken, two hundred dollars is a good deal on it. Yeah. And because I know enough, and I have enough friends around me that like, if anything that I can't fix, they can it. help me fix. Yeah. So I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to get this sun amplifier for $200 before this guy realizes what an idiot he's being. And even while I'm there, again, I've explained to him, I just need to get the amp and go. I am in and out. And he keeps showing me stuff. And he's like, do you want this pedal? $30. you want this interface? $100. you want this laptop? $50. I'm like, I just need, I just need this amplifier. I was like, okay, cool. So, like, we carried out. That's it didn't, so uncomfortable. Really. I know. Like, I hit you posted amp. I'm here <laughs> for amp. Why are you trying yeah, to sell yeah, me all this other stuff? Um, I I might actually go back for that interface, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good deal. It's a good deal. Um, but I, I get it into my car. I'm going. He's like, all right, enjoy, man. Cool. I'm like, all right. And I think he maybe muttered, like, kind of made a joke or something else at the end. And I'm driving off, and I get to the end of his street, and I get a message from him. He said, "Hey, man, I just remembered I used to stash drugs in the back of that, so you might wanna, you might wanna check." <laughs> so I'm like, "Okay." So I, I pull off and I check, and I'm like, "All right, there's just a nothing but a a power cable and a reverb tank back here, man." It's like, "Okay, cool." So yeah. that's hilarious. <laughs> I used to stash <laughs> drugs back there. Yep. You're like, okay. All right. Uh, yep. Like, well, it's mine now. So, uh, the yeah, the drugs are mine. Well, yeah. no, I, I said that no drugs were the absolute neutral result that I could have. So, 
Um, Congrats on your son amplifier. And then I, it sounds good. Oh yeah, and it's loud as sin. I got it home and I plugged it in, and I was at like three on the volume knob, and I was getting feedback, even on the clean channel. (laughs) So it's that thing. It's loud. I mean, you say what, but right? What is it? Because with tube amps. And this is a solid state. If you're state, listening actually. and you, yeah. oh, it is a solid yeah. state. So okay, sun, so then you have yeah. much more control. So why why can't you? You say it's loud. Why can't you just put it at one? Uh, like it's like you control the loudness. Because I don't want to put it at one. <laughs> so it's not. This is like people are always like, "Oh, these amps are loud," and I'm like, "We'll turn it down then." I mean, the other loud. thing is, the other thing is that even though it is a solid state amp, it does have it like some characteristics of a tube amp where it will break. Like the characteristic of the tone is different mm. at higher volumes. It does have a little bit of a breakup. Like even the distortion channel with the knob at one doesn't have as much gain with the knob at five. So um, it's it's interesting. But Sun was one of the first companies that got people to take so, uh, solid state amplifiers seriously. That's so. right. I because uh, I like I have just a Fender uh, Hot Rod Deville, and to get it's like from zero to about two and a half is almost no sound. Yeah, and then it's like somehow it gets enough ohms or wattage or I don't know. Turning it up enough gives it enough juice, and it's like, wow, and it's on. And then from 2.5 to 10 is like, or I should say 12, because then it goes... RM it goes to 12. Our amps goes to 12. Whoa! Um, <laughs> it goes, like, the volume difference is not as great as you would think. Right. It's sort of like just yeah. getting the amp turned on and making yeah, it yeah, 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 yeah. just already so much. And yeah. then, yeah, it does get louder, but it's not, right. you know. There are uh, knobs that you can do. like, And a lot of people I know that have DeVille's replace the volume knob with, it's kind of a, I, I forget what it's called, but it, it like sort of graduates it, so it like uh, evens it out a little more. But that is yeah, something with DeVille's in particular. I'm probably going to put one of those in the sun because it's... I have very little control between like one and three, like the tiniest degree will make it. But like we just played this outdoor festival and my stage volume was two and a half. You know, wow. like it is. Oh, so out you there. use this new amp? Oh, stage. yeah, of course. I did, did you bring a backup amp in case anything went on the fritz? Well, yeah, I we were using all. I also brought my Vox as like a backline amp for other okay. bands. So, okay. I there is one band. There is one band that nervous. Didn't, yeah. There's one band that drove uh, a far away and didn't. They don't have a van, and so they just brought their instruments and used all three of my amps because they have three That's guitarists right. and no room for amps. <laughs> so, I mean, we <laughs> I never get it. had a. My band never had a van. We did have a trailer, and then we just had the use that. Yeah. You know, to move stuff around. Even that trailer, I remember, was such a big expense because we were making no money. You know, we were all just working minimum wage jobs. Um, yeah. And we split the trailer. But it didn't make sense for us to get a van in, in that sense because we all lived at home with our parents. <laughs> we all had a car. And but you so, could have lived in the van. It, <laughs> so, like, when I had a, when we had a concert, we would all just individually load our stuff up and then meet up 
wherever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, we were in a touring band. And so, yeah, if we had to go on tour, we would have probably decided to get a van or whatever. Like, we, when we played South by Southwest, we rented a van and right. all that mess. Yeah. But, uh, anyways. But, yeah. That's a nice segue. If I do say so myself, S- sure. Like a like one of the the segues that you, the one I'm writing right now. This is a nice segue. This is a nice segue into today's yeah. topic of yeah. Of what would you, I would say DIY, but you 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 specifically want to cover CPGBs and OMFUG, which everybody has seen on everybody has seen no it know what it is. and now is that <laughs> now not, it's not like even it a died, thing anymore what, four years ago five years ago it went under. i think it might have been longer than that i feel like it was 2012 maybe and i'm like that's what the aztec calendar was talking about <laughs> like <laughs> i just the, remember when it went under i was like wait the most like famous punk rock venue in the whole world is now. yeah and i think it just got sold for i don't no. know the deeds no his rent was like twenty thousand dollars a month he got pl- displaced. Jesus yeah. Christ. So like they just kept upping the rent and like we're making like claims that he was behind rent, whatever. But like it was it was pretty insane. But um, so, yeah, what happened here with this topic is like I have been wanting to do a topic about or an, an episode about CBGBs specifically as it related to like early punk. But as I was looking at what was going on in CBGBs in the 70s and the 80s and you know even even through the 90s to an extent because CBGBs was never like an industry spot mm-hmm. like it was a hot spot for sure but it's not like you know Live Nation wasn't booking tours through CBGBs no no it, it was a it, it, it was a small club a hip hip it became like yeah. a iconic right you know. and so um but it, it, I saw some parallels between what was going on there and the larger, uh, what is often called the DIY scene, for a lack of a better term, which I suppose we will define as like, because um, it's not even just punk or indie rock. You know, it's is anything happening kind of in the underground, self-funded, self, uh, often like self-recorded and self-mixed, which these days you know, you can get pretty damn near close to commercial recording mm-hmm. uh, with the stuff that you have yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Like, for example, I don't think my record, if you were to listen to it against, you know, on Spotify against all these commercial mixes, I don't think that, you know, ruins would come up and you go, oh, this sounds like shit. No. Like, you know, no. and I just, I literally did that in the room we're sitting in. Well, that I'm sitting in. You're not here. You're you're like in a box. <laughs> I mean, I had this. But the box process. that you're in is also in the room. So, uh, I had this thought process the other day when I was listening to Elliot Smith. Uh, oh God, yeah. I listened to his second record, so the self-titled one, and then I listened to, I think it's wow. his third one, um, either or. Yeah. And even either or is like you can still hear this tape hiss yeah 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 yeah. and you're like at that point i mean he didn't have he could have hired somebody but he could have done (laughs) a little better and um and i was floored so i had the thought process that uh you know friend of the show rosemary just has been recording just on her macbook and you know with their home setup and 
I had just listened to some demos from Rosemary, and then I was listening to one of the most iconic records ever, yeah. and I was like, Rosemary sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> like, and yeah. this is, you know, she doesn't have industry, stand, like, top of the line, whatever. It's just, it's the technology's gotten so much better that we can mostly. It's, it's so accessible. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how accessible it is, because, yeah. like, for the last, what, 15 years, Apple has loaded GarageBand onto every MacBook it yeah. sells. It's default. And, you know, they have Logic Pro, which is their next one up, which is, like, it's, you know, it's kind of pricey. It's a couple hundred dollars, but it's, like, it's the price of, like, what a microphone would have cost you. Yeah. Well, 20, and compare that years to ago. what a, you know, giant mixer multi-channel mixer costs yeah. you know and yeah 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 absolutely um but no so it's it's interesting and i'm trying to figure out in my head in real time how to like formulate how to like connect these kind of dots because it's not really the diy scene isn't really connected by uh like specific genres or aesthetics or conventions like that and so um which is something that's very interesting to me. Uh, and but to jump back to CBGBs, a little little bit of history here. Uh, CBGBs opened up some. I mean, I'm not totally sure. I'm I'm going to get the years mixed up. Whatever. But the guy opened it up to do like a country bar, mm-hmm. and he just wanted to have like a country. Yeah, it, says, it stands for it country, country bluegrass, bluegrass and, and blues. Country bluegrass and, and blues is the CBGB. Yeah. And, and the OMFUG is other music for uplifting gourmandizers, which I had to look that up. <laughs> you just that made up the word. Ravenous eater of food, and there's a Wikipedia entry on that. Yeah. And so he just wanted to do like a country bar, you know? And so he had. In uh, New York City. In New York City, downtown New York City. It's on the what? Uh, it's, it's in the village, it's, right? I'm looking at the wiki now. It's on the south end of. Okay. South East. Well, South Central. Okay. Part of Manhattan. Yeah. I'm sure oh, if yeah. you live in Manhattan, in you Manhattan. have some sort of anger at the way I just described that, but Lower Manhattan. Yeah. Where Jerry Seinfeld lived. Mm-hmm. Uh or he was on the east side, wasn't he? <laughs> he was on 80th. I tried to find his apartment in the Spider Man game. I was like Is it in huh? there? No. Oh. They cut some streets out. But it's definitely you can find an approach. I don't know if they put it in there like as an Easter egg or something. No, no, no. I wished. I wished. I thought. I wished really hard. Um, but so it opened up as a country bar, and you know, basically just strictly country bluegrass and blues for a long time, and you know, did all right. But then um, they had like a house band, and one of the guys in the house band was in a band called Squeeze, and the oh. Okay. Yes. I know Squeeze. Yeah. I mean, like, not well, but I'm familiar with the legacy of Squeeze. So the guy in Squeeze asked the owner of CBGBs if his band could play, like, on, like, not during the busy times. Yeah. So the big, I think that, um, he we probably suggested like. Country and bluegrass music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like Sunday <laughs> afternoons or something like that. And. They started up doing it, and 
there are a couple other bands that did it. The, that guy then went on to be in television. Oh, really? I am almost certain. I I'm not. I don't have any information ahead of me. I, I read about this a month ago. <laughs> but so then prep for this. I didn't prep. Um, I'm doing it live. But so, you know, so, you know, Squeeze is now playing the Sunday matinee show. And then Squeeze is telling their friends, hey, like, do you want to come? Like, do you want a a place to play? Like, we can do this. And, you know, they have friends who are named things like the Ramones and Blondie and the Mm -hmm. Talking Heads and Devo and B-52s and the Go-Go's and, you know, it's just this crazy litany of bands and television, who I already mentioned. And it is just this crazy litany of bands that are playing at CBGB's and it becomes this hot spot of the early punk scene. And when I say early punk scene, it's such... um, what is so notable about that, in in my opinion, is like if you listen to any of those bands, with the exception of the Ramones, if they came out today, you would probably would not call any of them punk bands. You know, nobody's listening to television and be like, oh yeah, this punk band television. It's- yeah, you know, I their mean, television's a sort of post punk special case. Proto punk. <laughs> God, television's so good. Special case. Marky Moon is one of the greatest records of all time, it's, bar it's really none. Good. And uh, Tom Verlaine is maybe the greatest guitar player who's ever lived. Just absolutely mind. But the, you know, but then on the other hand, you have the Ramones who are like, we're just gonna play power chords. Yeah. Two and a half minute songs, nothing. But like they both coexist in this, uh, this musical atmosphere, this musical landscape where it's just kind of anything goes. Because mm-hmm. also, like, where the hell do you put the Talking Heads? <laughs> you know, where the hell do you put the B fifty twos? Like these things are not. If you are trying to make a hit record, yeah. <laughs> These are not the guys you hire. No, no. Except for the fact that they made so many hit records. Um, And so CBGB's just got this reputation. And it extended then through the 80s where uh, the Sunday matinee became like hardcore day. And so you would have a minor threat would come up from D.C., and play. And I, it was kind of like an anything goes. Like you just come in and plug in and go. And I, I love the idea of, of a Sunday matinee being where the alternative scene absolutely because you, know, you absolutely. normally associated that with very late night and <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I mean, no, and, it's like yeah. right after church. Uh, <laughs> just head on over. Yeah, and of course, like they are at the point the guy the guy running CBGBs is like, okay, I'll I'll schedule these on Friday night. Mm-hmm. You know, and so he eventually he, uh, it it stretches out from the Sunday matinee, but like that's where Bad Brains became legendary because they had oh it wasn't just Sunday it was like an every day every afternoon sort of gig, and so that's Bad Brains, uh, hi Lauren, um, Bad Brains would show up and they would do like Sunday at one o'clock or whatever. 
And then they would do Monday at one o'clock and then they would do Tuesday at one o'clock and they would just like mm. hold a residency and they would like start fights. <laughs> like the bad brains had such a violent history and it's so funny to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that made bad brains. And one of the things that was about that, that still I think marks the, uh, the DIY scene now is that it is this, uh, this kind of pocket of the music world where, you know, the money hasn't gotten to it yet. So well, you have, of I course, mean, guys are getting record li- deals and things like that, but it's like you don't have the big promoters going in and seeing who's going to sell 10,000 tickets and let's sell that show. It's I don't know very democratic. the history of the term sellout, but I do associate it strongly with punk music and yeah. with this era. Like maybe it existed before, but like if you look at successful bands, you can look at successful bands from the 60s and 70s and there's typically not a sellout point. They, they were just doing what they wanted to do and they happened to be popular. But you yeah. can look at a lot of bands from the late seventies and eighties who there is a sellout point and almost none of them found almost all of them failed at it. Right. But it was yeah. like, Oh, you guys are doing this thing and you guys are, are mid level. What if we throw a bunch of money at you, change your image and give you a fancy record deal. And then it comes out and people are like, why is this band doing disco now? Like what the hell? Oh God. This? Yeah. And, Kiss, you know, why did kiss do a disco record? Why did that yeah, ever happen? It's, uh, and so yeah, the term sellout is I've always you know I think most people it, the 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 vibe on the term sellout in the modern discourse now is 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 it's not necessarily a dirty word anymore in terms of yeah of uh, getting money. Everybody's like, no, <laughs> we need money to live because I was pretty, yeah. oh you got money now you're fancy. And everybody's like, no, get paid. Sellout now means just following the trends of trying to always sure. chase these sort of radio hits. Yeah, and which you which know, is, which is interesting because I remember I was just. Looking I don't even th- know if that works nowadays. Yeah, I was just looking through the like Green Day discography last night. They're the number one thing that comes in terms of sound oh, for me. Where hell go I, from? I, mean, I like Green Day, but from Dookie to American being, Idiot, they have been being they have been accused of selling out their entire career. They have whether a, or not you know they have a Broadway play. Yeah, like. <laughs> They have a Broadway play. Like, I don't think Green Day sold out in terms of going, we want to do X, but the label wants us to do Y, and we think Y is more profitable. I don't personally think that they ever necessarily did that. Sure. Um, But that's me, right? Some people do think that. But they've been accused their entire career of being... You know, going from being these... I mean, it went, yeah. California, these authentic California punks to... Uh, you know, I mean, by the time Dookie came out, people were like, oh, they're solids because they're radio hits. And then there's sort of resurgence, their second or third, maybe I would say, explosion. Well, it was Nimrod, right? That had good yes, written Nimrod on had it. good written on it. So that was their second giant, like, oh, yeah. the, the punk band's doing sad songs now. And, uh, and then with American Idiot. And that was about the time I had stopped really listening to them. But they changed their whole image, right? Yeah. They physically, like, changed their wardrobe oh yeah they were dressing differently they were wearing makeup now kind of following along with the emo trend of the yeah. era well, and, and you, whether or not that was there i don't know but, but a lot of people are like look they sold out they sold yeah. out you know 
I mean, Good Charlotte did that too. Like they were like a pretty respectable pop punk band on that first record, and then it was just Wait, like really. I would say Good Charlotte has been cringe terribleness the entire time. <laughs> Uh, was I mean they weren't bad, but they were like kind of they were no, like all they were right. Bad. They were all right. They the little things kind of banged. Mm, he makes record scratching sounds with his mouth <laughs> on the uh, first record. Yeah, little things. The song "Little Things." He's like, "Oh yeah." It's, no, it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> it's all bad. They just but added it's still, a it's keyboardist like, and wore suits on the next record. But it was, it, yeah, I'm it, not a good Charlotte. That was still, I feel like, the tw- to the 2000s pop punk scene is yeah. really where like the selling out happened. Because like, even in the 90s, you would have, you know, uh, was, Jawbox went from mm-hmm. Discord to Atlantic or whatever it was. They got a major deal and people were like, oh, they sold out, whatever. And it's like, and then they put out still a record just as raw as anything else that they've done. And, you know, we've talked a lot, we've talked a lot about how in the nineties they were, everyone was throwing money at these weird loud bands trying to get the next Nirvana. And we're pretty Nirvana was accused of selling out as soon as they blew up with nevermind the OG fans, you know, accuse them of something. And then they did in utero, which is one of the most acerbic records that you've ever heard. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, because even in the '90s, like these bands would get these big deals, but they would still, more or less, like, like Sonic Youth going to Geffen. That you is know, like wild to me. Sonic uh, wasn't the Melvins. I think the Melvins went to Atlantic. The Melvins had a, a major label deal for three albums, and it's- none of the albums were marketable. <laughs> <laughs> Not a all one. I, all I'd say, like, we're talking about the DIY scene and, and starting with the, the kernel of CBGBs and its poison history. But, like, why, like, I guess my question to you is what value is, what value is there in saying in, 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 in DIY versus, uh, High gloss, take as much dough as you can possibly get. Yeah, because um, you can't. I, again, only the most extreme punk cynic would look at something like, I'll say Taylor Swift's Eras tour or Beyonce's Renaissance tour, and and say that it's like not well done. Right? Even if you hate Beyonce, the w- yeah, the well done the isn't the issue. Eras, you yeah. have to go. Oh my God! This is so. There is so much effort and talent and money thrown into this. They built a damn uh, treehouse in the Eras tour. I saw some pictures. There's yeah. a damn treehouse on the stage. You have to like, for like a song. What? And that's you know that's where I've always struggled with the DIY thing. Where I I uh, I believe very strongly in the DIY ethic of oh just screw it. Don't you don't have to. For me, the DIY ethic means you don't have to wait on permission or money. You can do it yourself. Ian McKay of Fugazi yeah. and Minor Threat is, is one of the who started figure, figureheads of this whole thing. Started a but, record label you know, at 17. But I say all that to say that uh, I look at someone like Death Cab, who literally, you know, one of a, a million bands I could name that started as a guy's passion project. And yeah. they did find success. And yes, when Soul Meets Body came out and they were 
the one of the biggest bands in the world. Yeah, their tours blew up and elaborated, but I never thought of them as like. I didn't think like, oh, Ben, screw Ben Gibbard. He's you know. I was happy that they got better sounding gear. Oh, I know those guys. I know those guys though. Um, I know those guys about Modest Mouse too. (laughs) I know those guys about a lot of bands. I mean, Um, I don't think Modest Mouse sold out. I think they just got bad. (laughs) Their last two, their last two records were unlistenable to me. And that man, I haven't haven't listened to, I haven't listened to anything since uh, we were dead. That was the last and, good one because yeah. they've had two cents and they were spread out and, uh, and, yeah. and they're both not good. Yeah, but no, but so I think there is, and there, so there is the sort of assumption it seems the sort of pre um, preconception with people kind of outside of DIY music. Like if you're not used to going to local shows, if you're not going oh. used to going to like you know these tours from bands playing in living rooms or yeah. basements or whatever, like there's this preconceived notion that it's uh, synonymous with sloppiness, which mm-hmm. I tell you what, we played with a band called Agi last night from, uh, Ch- I think they're from Chattanooga. They're kind of from all over. They're like one of those bands that just tours constantly. And it was one of the most elaborate, ornate, precise elaborate shows I've seen. You know, they've got uh, samples and banjos and uh, horns and multiple keyboards and, you know, just this, like, symphonic pop Mm -hmm. indie rock. Like, they are... Many people describe them as the heir apparent of Anathalo, if you remember Anathalo. I was just about to bring up Anathalo in terms of thinking about 100%. quality and care. Yes. I mean, they poured their hearts into it. And, and never got a record making, deal. <laughs> never like, got a big deal. Yeah, I don't I don't think the guys in Anathalo were making much. They they might have been breaking even or making yeah. enough to, to, to pay some bills. But, like, I think all those guys still were, like, baristas and shit. Like, yeah. you know, they And then one of them went, one or two of them went to be in fun. Fun and then yeah. they, they did really well for themselves and you know, good yeah. for them or whatever. But it's but, like, you know, like Anathalo, I think of their uh, Floating Worlds CD oh vinyl my God. was cool, cool yet. I uh, want, I would pay up the, to $50 for a new MSRP, $50 MSRP for a vinyl repress of Floating World. Um, if Anath- any, if anyone from Anathalo is listening, I will give you my money directly. I, mean, I, I, I'm like, it's like the Kevin Bacon thing. I'm, I'm like one removed from. Them. Oh no, I have a friend. I have a friend who went to high school with him. Okay. So, so, but I remember my buddy uh, Miguel bought the uh, Floating Worlds like CD, yeah. and I think it was the die, the elaborate one. die cut. This is when it was, it, you know, most CDs were just a jewel case, like a plastic jewel case with a slip. And then like some a of digipack. them were cardboard yeah. thingies. And this was one of the cardboard thingies. But when you opened it up, it like exploded. And it looked, it, it looked like uh, it was made with love and care and yeah. attention. And these, you know, I'm buying records from major label bands who did not put nearly any effort into the packaging. And here's this tiny indie band from... Uh, Mount Pleasant, Michigan, Western Michigan, uh, pouring the heart and soul into this arts and crafts, like CD packaging. And I was just like, this is incredible, you know? 
I, I just bring that up because it's what comes to mind when I think of when you bring up qual uh, small or indie or DIY does not yes. mean uh, low quality. Yes. And it might so, mean low money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't mean low quality. Yeah. But no, so like, you know, we played with Adji last night in a basement. You know, in... Was a, this part of audio feed or was this like just next door to it? Adji was at audio feed because you, you just did audio feed right they are on tour after audio feed so a lot what what happens with a lot of bands is that they will sort of like plan their tours around audio feed so like there's this sort of especially like here where we live like three and a half hour it's in uh, urbana illinois and so there's this sort of like spiraling of all these bands into the midwest mm-hmm. and so often like the couple weeks before audio feed and the couple weeks after we see a lot of the same bands because they're all passing through. And so, um, we played, uh, so we played the show and then, uh, a band called cardboard highway from Kalamazoo who, uh, Oh, Kalamazoo. Uh, yeah. But like they also played audio feed. And so it was like this little reunion that we had. Um, but, but like, you put any of those bands on like say twilight sad's position on the cure tour and with the exception of the size of the stage you know the yeah. and i'm i'm not trying to diss twilight sad at all let me let me be clear though i i have since bought a twilight sad record and it is very lovely also did you know that uh um scott's brother uh from uh was it scott hutchinson from frightened rabbit what was his last name that's his no. Yeah. That's his name. Yeah. His brother is the drummer of Twilight Sad. Okay, I'm gonna have to tell Lauren because she's a super fan. Uh, yeah, of, of Frightened Rabbit. I, in Chicago, I, they played a cover. They played a Frightened Rabbit cover. Do you remember which song? I don't. Okay, I'll I only know uh, the one Frightened Rabbit album at this point. I'm a very new Frightened Rabbit fan, which is why I couldn't remember Scott Hutchinson's last name for sure. But but no, we'll, but we'll. We'll talk about Frightened Rabbit, a uh, different <laughs> episode. But yeah. uh, the Twilight Sad just has the most. Uh, so, sorry. The Twilight Sad opened for The Cure on this tour. The second tour that they and, have opened for The Cure for, by the way. And they. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but Robert the name, loves them. The name sounds. The name. It, it sounds <laughs> like AI generated. You're like. <laughs> There's a there's a sad uh, indie band who follows in the Cure's footsteps and wears a lot of black. And what are they called? They're called the Twilight Sad. Yeah. Are you kidding me? So and then you find out that they're Scottish, so <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't, it would be like finding out that the opener for Guns N' Roses was called like. I don't know, cocaine pistol or something. You're I was like, going to okay. say sex pistols. <laughs> or, yeah. Or, <laughs> uh, Velvet Revolver, okay. That oh, God. That was Slash's other band with <laughs> Scott Weiland. God. Um, you're like, are you kidding me? You know, you're, this is, could you be more on the nose? Which <laughs> I don't mind an on the nose, but I don't know. Anyways, maybe yeah. the Twilight Sad is great. I skipped them. And I hung out with my friends, and we ate and drank and uh, overpriced we, food, and yeah, uh, and then we we went in when they when they hung up 
when they were done. We intended to skip the Twilight Sad, but Michelle really had to go to the bathroom when we got to the parking lot. And so we were going to... Wait, are you just going to like sit in your car? No, 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 no. <laughs> we were going to walk to a restaurant. Oh. oh. A couple blocks okay. away. But Michelle really had to pee, so we went inside, and they're like, no re-entry. I'm like, oh, come on. Would have been real nice to see on the outside <laughs> of the venue. Dude, nothing makes me more angry. Just thinking back when I was a kid, the no re-entry. Yeah. You're like, why? This is a solvable problem. There's <laughs> give me a wristband. And also, this is like a punk or hardcore show, and we've all paid ten to twenty dollars to be here. Are you <laughs> really that concerned? Yeah. About like people sneaking in at the end, like really? <laughs> <sighs> yeah. But, no, but so, like, was, like any of these bands, you give them the same position. You know the. The quality of work there, it's not going to be lacking compared to you know what you the opener that you might find in like this big arena tour. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that kind of impressed me um, with with audio feed was just the sheer diversity of stuff. Because one of the things that capitalism really likes is predictability. You want to be able to tell, you know, like what sells, what sort of formulas in songs sell, what sort of combinations of instruments, what sort of whatever, what sort of songs are selling. You know, exactly. And it's why you see trends, right? right? It's why you, it's why MIA comes out and has a big hit with Paper Planes and Santa Gold is the next artist that the label promotes. That's not a diss on MIA or Santa Gold. That just came to mind. But it's just oh we are we have a we have a hit now okay go f- who's the next yeah. MIA this that's, lady who's also doing her thing that's yeah. similar you know and then and then when the trend fades they leave Mushroom's Creek which that first Santa Gold record was so good it was, <laughs> that was she's like puking f- uh, gold, gold yeah water. that was like oh that record's so good that's a good record I, um, I, I, I like yeah I, I was in a Santa Gold for a minute yeah so and MIA oh, every, oh, side note side note you know MIA is like like red pilled now like she's like she's always been that like kind of like oh government conspiracy sort of thing but like there is an uncomfortable relationship between like left wing anarchists and just mm-hmm, straight up mm-hmm. fascists Have you, there's a okay. really that's like where horseshoe theory becomes really real yes. is in there is a beautiful, those conspiracy theories I'm going to say beautiful. There's a beautiful, I'll pop it in the show notes, which you can find in the show notes. And if you're looking at this and your podcast listener, uh, it's in there, uh, or go to our, uh, our website and it'll be there. Anyway, we have a website I'll put it in the show notes. Well, we don't really, it just goes to our, well, whatever <laughs> our, our anchor page, which is now called Spotify podcast or something. I don't, I don't know. know, but if you can go to, um, yeah, whatever. Look, we have a you website. can find it in the show notes. There is a beautiful SNL skit. Tom Hanks is the host, and it's called It's Black Jeopardy. And they had done a skit yes. Jeopardies. <laughs> but this is the early... I don't know if Trump was even president yet. He might have been running. It stuff, was or right around... I thought it was right around the uh, COVID. Like one of their first episodes back from COVID. I just... Maybe it was I just before that. It was early Trump admin and... 
it's Black Jeopardy, and and if you are familiar with SNL and you're like, oh, Black Jeopardy, this is funny, whatever, right? The idea being, uh, the 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 host asks or the answers because it's Jeopardy. The answers are these like black tropes, and you whatever. It's, it's funny, and all the all the people uh, lined up. The contestants are always all black, except and for uh, an odd this, a fish out of water. Yeah, there's always a fish out of water. And in this case, it's this MAGA guy, and they're, like, lining up on everything. And they're all, like, whole, you know, at first they're skeptical, and they're like, oh, my God, like, yeah, don't trust the government. And they are completely lining yeah, up yeah, yeah, yeah. with this hardcore MAGA Republican <laughs> on all these, like, I don't trust the government, and I don't want to pay my taxes and all this. And then, like, at the very end, of course, you know, yeah. the, the mask comes off, and they're like, whoa, like, yeah. no, we're not there with you. But... A skinny girl can do this for you. What is not a damn thing? <laughs> not a damn thing. <laughs> I love that you remember that. I watched that with Lauren about a month ago. <laughs> it's so uh, we good. came up in conversation. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Uh, yeah. MIA has had this similar arc as, as I would say Glenn Greenwald, if if you're a listener, know who that is. In uh, uh, Russell Brands, any other uh, typically <laughs> left. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you, there's a merit. Wait, pop pop quiz. Who do you think was Tucker Carlson's first interview since getting ousted from Fox News? With? Oh, it was Russell Brand. It was Russell Brand. <laughs> yeah, I would I, you have guessed that two years ago? Even? No. Uh, <laughs> I'll also say um, so. I for listeners, I recently gave myself a haircut. I I was aiming for a mullet. You but look I, lovely. Look, I, I couldn't like to not I, be nice to you, but you look lovely. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guy. Um, I was aiming no, for a mullet. No homo, but you look good. <laughs> I was aiming for a mullet, but I couldn't quite commit, and so I ended up with it like looks a good. like somewhere between like a wolf cut and like a scene mullet. So it's basically you look like Tegan and Sarah's lost. uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. It's Tegan and Sarah's lost brother. It's the Tegan and Sarah haircut, is what it is. Um, But there is a moment where I was like, "Oh God, oh God, did I did I just give me Russell Brand?" No, I was like, "Did I just give myself Russell Brand's haircut from like 2004?" Wait, now... No, he had his. Always just had long hair. He he used to have the back stuck straight up. Yeah, he teased the back. He he. Did, no, 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 like, no, no. The there's a little bit. There's a little bit where it, it was just spiked straight up. I know because wow. I looked up pictures. I, but yeah. So I, as a newly long-haired, or I, I keep saying newly. I mean, it's been COVID. So and COVID's been three years. So I guess I'm not new anymore. And I bleached it. Uh, you know, in yeah, your I, roots are I, showing. Uh, well, that was intentional. <laughs> okay. That was intentional. I was like, okay, I liked, uh, 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 what's his name? Adam Mazzaro. What's oh, yeah, Adam yeah, Adam Mazzaro's hair uh, looks great. He's 40-something. He can do it. I can do it. And he's a, his, his haircut. He's a rough 40, I'll tell you. Well, he's a handsome man. I would kill to look like Adam Mazzaro. He's, maybe he's healthier now. But a few years ago, when I saw him at Furnace Fest, he's I was a like, thin "Oh man!" Oh, then he's gotten healthier. He okay. <laughs> he had a rough. He had a rough go there for a bit. He had a rough um, go. We're like, "Oh, bud, you were not that." Okay, okay, sorry, sorry. 
Caveat, not that thin means healthy. I want to be very clear about that. I understand. He looked no, he, he looked unhealthy. Fit. Yeah. Last, he, last time I saw him, he looked healthy fit. Last time I saw him, he looked unhealthy, unfit. So um the but no, so Good I use him as in, in inspo. Yeah. As like, okay, cool. And now I got this wedding coming up, but all that to say, I'm insecure about how to do my long hair because I, I, it's not a thing. We mean, oh do, yeah, yeah, yeah. We mean do it. Just hangs there. It just it right. just lays there. Right. It's like when when women would talk about in the '90s, like, oh, I want the Jennifer Aniston. I'm like, what do you mean the Jennifer? It's just her hair. And, but if you're if you if you yeah. are a long haired person who pays attention, you're like, oh no, like this is a thing that she does. And so now I'm finally, I say all this to say, I'm finally getting clued into <laughs> how when you have long hair, it doesn't just mean that it's laying there. You right. do kind of have to do something with it or you yeah. end up looking crazy. And so Our, I scheduled my first haircut in a year oh. for next Friday. And I'm going to be like, keep the length. But like right now, it just is kind of ballooning out. <laughs> like it's just like. That's the problem like, I was trying to solve. It's just like yeah. ballooning out. Yeah, I, and I get kind it. of feel like I have a triangle head. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, yep. And yeah, I know that well. So, uh, are you gonna? You should do the Legolas braids for the with like the little side braids that are tied in the back <laughs> I, for the wedding. Well, no. So the wedding. So this is uh, you've met them, our lovely friends Evan in India, yep. uh, who you visited their house. This is their wedding. It's the one uh, other house India, in San Francisco I've been to. India is a a freaking hippie so she would love it if i showed up with weird braids and yes. she banned me from because i got insecure about my hair and i said i'm gonna cut it and she goes i ban you i forbid you to cut your hair before my wedding because i want my wedding photos uh with you with long hair and i yeah. said okay <laughs> i should have i should have done that with my best man is my friend brendan who is, has famously great hair and he scheduled a haircut like right before the wedding rehearsal i'm like Bro, what? What? <laughs> what are you doing? Wait. So, uh, but yeah, back to we're we're, we're no, way we're, off. I gotta tell this. Uh, I gotta tell the side story because this is funny. If you're a listener, this is funny. Anybody listening is a listener. That was stupid. Um, I dyed my hair blonde, and my mom goes, "Or Evan, are your friends gonna be upset about the wedding situation because <laughs> you're dyeing your hair?" And I was like. What I never thought about, like I did not think about the sure. wedding photos, but two, I texted them and I was like, "This didn't even occur to me and seems insane." <laughs> but my mother brought it up and like she has a point. Yeah, and like, fine, are you? Co-? And then they both just go, "We insist that you're blonde for a wedding." <laughs> I said, "Okay, okay." There so, you go. Yeah, anyways, I've, I've thought about like maybe doing some highlights or stuff. It's been a long time since I've done any sort of dye. In my hair, but but no. So DIY. Back there to is hormones. back to <laughs> <laughs> no. So there is this sort of um, man. Maybe call it anarchy. Maybe this sort of freedom, this liberty that happens in the DIY scene, where you don't have the money makers dictating like what what's going to get pushed, what's going to not, like what producers and songwriters are going to... Because like, let's say right now, you look at any Beyonce track, any Taylor Swift track, um, and yes, even Taylor Swift, there are a number of co-writers 
on mm-hmm. any industry song. And yeah. often, like, you look at anything in the top 40, there are sometimes as many as a dozen people credited with a single song because they just get together and do a brainstorming session of, all right, what are the, what are the parts that are going to hit? What are the parts that are going to be a hit? And it is... Yeah. Uh, NPR did a segment on it many years ago, I think they're talking about uh, Rude Boy by Rihanna, uh, specifically, and how it, I you know, they really did... I don't like that song. <laughs> but it was about, it was about, the piece was I about, I know it's like, a hit, I really don't like that song, but anyways, continue. The piece was about how, like, it went through this whole process to create this hit jam, and then didn't. So it's like a look at like, all right, how do you make a number Wait, one? Wait, what hit? do you mean? It was a hit. It was huge. Rude boy? Not the way that her other tracks were. Not the way that Umbrella huh. or SOS or whatever else were. Hmm. Hmm. Um but I'm suspect, but okay. Maybe it was a different song. Maybe but it was it was definitely looking at like he, they have like these like songwriter producer camps or whatever. Like they just like get together for a week. And they kind of bang out all these ideas. I love the idea of like Beyonce and Taylor Swift in a room with like Diplo, uh, his name? Jack Jack Antonoff and oh. Diplo <laughs> at like some like I'm thinking of like the youth group retreat place, <laughs> <laughs> like a like a at Spring Hill. Like, I don't care. Yeah, they're they're you know. They're Did y'all go up to floor. Spring Hill? <laughs> was the, was that I your region? I think I went to that camp once. Okay. I tried to block all of these things out. But, <laughs> um, um, but no, but like it's, there's something so gross about that to me where it's, cause it's all the same guys working on the same songs. I mean, you it's know? why people hate, uh, what's it, Antonov so yeah. much. It's not, he is, he's probably a great guy. He and I would probably, and, probably forgot. but when I hear produced by Jack Antonoff, my whole body goes, <laughs> because it's just, it's like, I know what this is going to be. Yeah. Which is like, which is There's funny. No that's, that's the guy from the format and fun and bleachers. No, 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 no. Um, bleachers. Isn't that the same guy? I don't know. Was he in the format? I thought he was the guy. He was the guy. I know he's in bleachers. And he, like, has produced all of Taylor's latest records. And, like, he's, I think, like, he's, hell, my friend Steven literally sent me an article today. Oh, I, I was totally to wrong. Read. It's open in a tab. Uh, I've been thinking. Of- the Dream, it's called, is from Drift Magazine. I'll put it in show notes. It's called The Dream of Antonification. And the sure. subtitle is Pop's Bl- Music's Blandest Prophet. <laughs> Uh, so but I he have. Makes sense. He makes sense, man. Yeah, I have been thinking that was the same guy as the format and fun. No, the for format guy went into the fun. Right. I thought it was the same dude. I thought that's what he was doing now. But <laughs> no, no. It's like wow, that guy's got range. <laughs> no, yeah. Like, and again, I'm not a hater. He does yeah. good stuff. I am, he did that track with I Springsteen. Like, I like what he's done with Taylor's music, but yeah. there's this thing where. You get to a point. I mean, it's like Diplo for a while, right? Everything started to sound. You would yes. hear us. You'd be like, "That's Diplo." <laughs> the eight oh eight. You just hear that little dong, and dong. like a little, like in a bad way. But anyways, yeah. But so, um, but yeah. There's there's the opposite of that happening in the DIYC. Like these are people who are doing music 
mostly by themselves. Many of them are self-recording or they have some friends who have logic and know their way around it. And um, it's to go back to audio feed and to explain audio feed uh, many years ago there was a what is audio feed audio feed I hadn't heard of it until this year and I've been I mean I've known you forever but I've we've been doing this podcast for two years this was like my I don't remember this last year this is only my like you talking about audio feed last year we yeah we only went up for one day last year uh, and then this year um I ended up being invited onto the team organizing it because one of my... I've only been there four times. Um, one of the guys uh, who books at the DIY venue with me, uh, he has been like an audio feed lifer. And the... You do so much. You're <laughs> on the board of audio feed and also a part-time barista for a I'm not. I'm not on house. the board at audio feed. I was at the, I'm on the board at the well. But the guy, that. yeah. But so my friend. Well, wait, the, wait. When was the last time you were uh, did a barista situation? Last night. Real? Ow! Didn't you just play a show last night? There were a lot of people there that wanted drinks, man. I jumped <laughs> behind the bar and I had up out. He had a huge line, man. You're, I told people. I told people if you only come to one local show this year, come to this one, and they listened to me. <laughs> I hope they listened to the second part of that, which I said you should be coming to more than one local show in a year. Um, mm-hmm. But no, but so he, the team that had been running Audio Feed uh, all stepped down, and a new group came and took it off, and he was invited to book a stage. And then what ended up happening was he turned around to the rest of us from the booking team at our space and said, okay, so we're booking this stage together, yeah. Um, but so audio feed many many years ago there was a festival called cornerstone music festival in bushnell illinois kidding me this is somehow connected to that yeah are you kidding me so audio uh cornerstone ended around 2012 uh the altar calls were there at audio feed zero fucking zero (laughs) sorry sorry ask me how many shot i had to throw a shot in there Ask me how many cuss words I said about the church's mistreatment of queer people. A, a, a few. I mean, there's just one, but I mean, while I was on stage, <laughs> there was just one. Uh, ask me how many uh, specifically trans femme bassists we had play our stage, <laughs> which I don't know how it was always bassists. Um, um. I guess so that's a trope. This is somehow no, connected so, with X Cornerstone Oregon. Cornerstone, yes. Everybody, every year, come to Cornerstone, come to Cornerstone. But and you and I have had this discussion, even as a, a born again in high school. I was, I was very much like, Ugh, y'all are like kind of a little cringe. I don't know. No, and, Cornerstone and was great. Also, and also Cornerstone meant camping. And yeah. The idea of. Let me go see MXPX and jump around and be like, get sweaty and gross and covered in dust and then go to my like tent and sleep gross and dusty in a tent and then wake up the next morning and like scavenge for whatever breakfast is there and then go see like further seems forever. I was like, no, this sounds miserable. I do not want to see further seems forever on like day three of that's, covered in dust. That's because like you're a press. Dogs. It, I mean, I like a good shower. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, and so, how do you feed head showers every, on the ground? Every year, people Grounds, like, come to the, the cornerstone, and I was just like, absolutely not. I, I like Pedro <laughs> the Lion, but I don't, I don't want to see him. Pedro headlined audio feed last year. Uh, you know, yeah. Um, but so, uh, audio feed, or uh, sorry, cornerstone took place on a farmland owned by Jesus People USA, which is a, a commune in Chicago. And there's a film. There's a new film about them. Mm, sorta. So, my dad just my dad just went to the theater to see a movie, and it's this Jesus People movie. Right, he's very so, excited about it. So there was the Jesus. That's people, all I know. There was the Jesus People movement, which was the name given to like a revival that happened among the hippies in like the seventies. Yeah. It's very connected. Yeah, that's but what I Jesus People USA was a separate. It was a separate offshoot. Like it was named kind of. It's it's not encapsulating okay. the entire Jesus People movement. Is not Jesus People USA. It's a, it's a, it was born out of that, but it's not. But also, like the Vineyard, which is the organization that my church is a member of, was born out of that same thing. But so, they had uh, Jesus people had to sell their the farm land that hosted Cornerstone. I think around 2012 or so, um, and a bunch of so they're like Cornerstone's not happening anymore. And there are a bunch of folks who are like, well, we'll we still want something to happen. And so there was uh, a guy who lived in Urbana, Illinois, who wait, was wait, like, wait. "Why? <clears throat> why did it? Sorry, why did it? Cornerstone stop? Like they succeeding? sold the they sold the farmland that hosted it. But so just strictly, and yeah. and the Cornerstone people weren't interested in trying to keep it alive and find a new. They they financially were not. No, no, no. So the so it was the same people. Jesus, okay. Japuza both owned the farm. <laughs> That's what they call it. And they called the I people know, who live there Japuzers. I lived with two ex Japuzers when I was in Chicago. And that one of them is a Japuzer again. Seen in some way. I can't <laughs> tell you how yeah. Japuz sounds upsetting to me, but it does. Um, but so uh, they both organized Cornerstone and owned the farm. And so they were unable to. Uh, financially afloat. So they sold the farm, stopped doing Cornerstone. There are some people who are like, we want to still do something. And so mm -hmm. um, Audio Feed happened the next year. This was, I think, the 10th one or at least the 10th year. I, it's, it's hard the way that COVID like, changes the count in there. I you know? still think like in terms of last year and yeah. somebody will be like, that was That's 2019. 2019. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that was last, last year. year. And it's like, no, no. Right, and so they did it, and the unfortunate part of that is that everyone has always compared audio feed to Cornerstone, like, oh, well, it's not going to be like Cornerstone. It's like, well, yeah, it's not going to be like Cornerstone, but it's a different thing. It's born it out of the ashes. based in Christianity, like, or is it... It's, uh, it is tangentially, now. yeah, it is a tangentially Christian organ uh, thing, but... Okay much more on the inclusive progressive side. There, there were great strains taken to make sure that it was inclusive of queer folks in particular. So, uh, and uh, ex-church people and... The extreme people who say uh, what what's the... Whatever. People who say the hateful messages 
under the name of Christianity would not. They're be not invited. Somebody. Okay. Okay. One of the former organizers <clears throat> said in a comment of a couple months ago, uh, "Audio feed is just queer cornerstone," and I really loved that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, like, we okay. had we well, had. This a, makes sense why I'd never heard of it because you have been talking about it so much yeah. in your socials recently. And, it's and uh, and and. Uh, Nathaniel South and and some of your other peers that I follow and I was like, how have I never heard of this? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was um, it's a big deal for certain pockets of the DIY community. Mm -hmm. And there it's really like this thing where a lot of these bands are, even before I was organizing it, these are bands that, you know, would come through and they would play at the well or they would play in my living room or they would stay in my living room after a show when they're on tour or I would play in at their spot or whatever. And, you know, some of them also organized other festivals that we would go out to play. There was a festival in Grand Rapids called Takehold Fest that was organized by some folks who were at Audio Feed. There, were, there was a festival in Pennsylvania called Flood City Fest that I, uh, my band Dad Jokes had played a couple times. And <laughs> <laughs> we drove seven hours through the night to play this little DIY festival in... Pennsylvania and it was so much fun <laughs> but um, but it, like audio feed is kind of like the big convergence of like all of those people okay and okay. so we're trying so if you're in that scene you're doing a lot of hugging and oh my god I haven't yeah seen you in yes yes and, yes you know. it's that that is the biggest way in which it is like church camp where it's like here are mm -hmm. my camp friends here I am now seeing you for the first time in however long there are people I hadn't seen in a year people I hadn't seen in f four years you know it's yeah. Um, yeah but then the other part of that is that a lot of those people are also wonderful musicians who are making music that is very different from one another we had some very heavy bands we had some very light bands um, there's one kind of group of bands that I want to highlight in particular. There is a folk trio out of Chicago called Families that uh, is very much Sufiani. Like they play, they've got banjo and mandolin and accordion and sing songs about the Bible in America. Um, and just wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, and then each of the people in there have their own project. Erica is, uh, has a, like a country band called dead birds. Then Dave has like this sort of acoustic, um, like indie folk <clears throat> atmospheric thing called kayak, but like spelled like quack Jack. It's the K A J A Q or Q A J A Q, which is the Inuit spelling of kayak. And then Justin, who's the main singer in families has a, uh, a two-piece indie, uh, a two-piece emo kind of screamo bass drum project called Junia. That is just the most wild. It's like you listen to Junia and then you listen to Families. And you're like, this is the same dude who's doing mm -hmm. both of these things. And then you know they also have a lot of other friends that they have who are in other projects and they play in those other projects, whatever. And all of these bands are very different. Um, 
And it's just this encapsulation of like, that's what like the beating heart of the DIY music scene is to me is just these people going and doing whatever the hell they want and chasing whatever, uh, kind of whatever language they have to communicate the art that they have. Um, and you know, it's such an antidote to the homogenization of commercial music <laughs> where, you know, it's, again, you turn on top 40 and it's kind of interchangeable between any of those songs. You can, you know, my wife is very bad at artists in particular, but, you know, I usually think I'm very good, but, you know, you kind of put on shuffle on the top 40 station and it's like, I couldn't tell you who's Lana Del Rey or who's Katy Perry or who's Pink or whatever. You know, it's just this. I uh, I have a term I use called lift music. Mm. Um, and I, yeah. say, I, I like Lana Del Rey and Katy Perry and Pink. I can tell the difference between them. There is a certain kind of um, ambient there's music that I only hear. Oh, lift lift. Yes. Yeah. 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 L Y F T, uh, or Ubers or whatever, but I don't, um, I, ages ago when Uber was being really shitty, I was part of the people that deleted their app and I never reinstalled it cause I don't need to. <laughs> and, uh, it's all the now, same drivers anyway. Yeah, it is. Uh, and now I barely take lifts. So the only time I hear it is when I have to take a lift, which is typically like a night where I'm going out and I know that I'm going to be drinking and I don't want to like even risk it. Right. I yeah. don't want to have to think, is this too much? Taking a lift and I'll be in a lift and it just sounds interchangeable to me. And then eventually somebody will be like, so my friend group who you met nearly all of them, there's a joke with me that any, uh, Inter, like I call it Kevin music and along with lift. Cause all the artists, all the artists that play lift music are named Kevin to me. Um, <laughs> and I'll just be like, yeah, like, like Kevin Derudo and people are like, no, that's Jason Derudo. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's, they're all Kevin's cause it all just sounds yeah the same. And like, I have, the ability to tell the difference between pop artists to tell the difference between Katy Perry and Pink and whatever I right. think they whatever, but there's a point where it just gets reaches almost just sort of I don't know this bland house pop where uh, it's karaoke at a point. Yes, it's yeah. just it's just karaoke. Like, is tracks. anybody listening to the lyrics? Is anybody enjoying this? Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying there's some asshole who can't appreciate music without lyrics or music with stupid lyrics. I like plenty of music with stupid lyrics. I'm just, it's like, I don't know, but it's like if the lyrics are stupid, I want to giggle that they're stupid. Yeah. Or, or, I don't know. And it's when it's just like background music, when it's made, when it's made for lifts. Yeah. When it's made for, here's this inoffensive, bland music that can, <laughs> can yeah play while you sit in the back of a lift and you're not going to report the driver for playing something upsetting or whatever. It, 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 it just bothers me to no end. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the thing. And I feel like a lot of the stuff, cause let's be honest, there's a lot of stuff that you can, a lot of interesting music you can hear that is popular that you don't have to sit in a bit sweaty basement to hear 
that you don't need yeah. to like buy on cassette because they can't afford <laughs> to release. So Agi actually, they had two albums for sale. They had an EP on cassette and they had an album on a book, like a full bound That's hardcover book that had like a download code. And then like, there is just all this extra, I guess, bonus content you could call it. Um, <clears throat> Not super, you know, that's not going to get to the top of the billboard. You're like People aren't yeah. buying this book. But they did sell out at the store last night, at the show last night. So that's nice. Um, but so there's a lot of music that does that. But so many of those are from musicians that, you know, cut their teeth in the DIY scene, whether it be, you know, the punk or hardcore scene or like the lo-fi scene. You know, there are plenty of people who uploaded something to their MySpace that they recorded like on their computer mic uh, or something that they did that just took off. Like Arcade Fire is an example of that where like Arcade Fire's first album was very bare bones, low budget. Uh, Nutrimilk Hotel is another one where like that, you know, (laughs) the... The the fuzz pedal that the bassist keeps using on that is just the mixer breaking, you know. Yeah. It's it's them turning the gain knob up on the bass channel until it breaks the tape, basically. Um, and you know these are albums that become incredibly popular. Uh, Have a nice life, which you know that's a, a kind of a cult call, but like mm-hmm. that record was re- recorded while he was on his security job at like a business park. So he's like in the middle of the night, like singing things into the built-in mic on his MacBook, you know? And then I mean, that so many of these things are made out of, it's less about the technology, more about the, the, uh, the aesthetic of it, the, the will. And the yeah, yeah. 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 And, yeah. Um, I'll the first and like, I mean, I've had this own existential crisis myself with being a musician and singer and I call myself a musician and singer and songwriter and the reality is I'm not writing too many songs these days I think I wrote one or two songs in the past year and they're just saved you know in GarageBand and because I have uh, like life is exhausting and by the time I get free time you know we've talked about this a lot in this podcast it was 8 30 at night and yeah. my brain is not wanting to explore my soul my brain is wanting to play lately the new Diablo 4 and yeah. have fun and turn it off and when I was 22 I was different right yeah. I had the gumption right I was waking up every day with this like burning you know, desire to get whatever it is out there. It's like, I still have the desire, but I don't have the uh, willpower to yeah. do it anymore. Uh, I go, uh, I have yeah. to pay my mortgage. <laughs> Shit. So okay. to, to go back just a tangent, have a nice life. I mentioned, you know, that might be a cult call up. Mm-hmm. They have 778,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. Really? Their top track has 29 million plays. That surprises me. That I am I am flabbergasted. That right surprises now. me. That's enormous. That is more monthly listeners than Thursday has. I was just about to say, yeah. Thursday is two hundred sixty-three. They have three times more listeners than Thursday. That's nuts. Oh my god! Well, and people should listen to more Thursday, but 
Which another band that started out playing VFWs and cafes and whatever. Like, so yeah. you, you brought up Taking Back Sunday. I saw Taking Back Sunday in a little cafe on the Tell All Your Friends tour that fit maybe 40 people. That's so wild. You know? Because I feel like when that record came out, they were already big. And there were like... that record was hype. Yeah. And there were like 70 people in the cafe. (laughs) They lost their their insurance policy shortly after that because they're like, hey, you weren't insured to do live shows. (laughs) (laughs) So they had to stop doing shows and then nobody came anymore. So, but like, you know, there's something... and, And that show was... Uh, this guy, the Rutabaga, who still is making music, and it's lovely. He's uh, mm-hmm. he did a split with Owen a few years ago. Oh, um, I got into Owen pretty big uh, six months ago. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, always been aware of Owen, but I kind yeah. of did a revisit oh. of Owen. Um, speaking of, also the uh, the grounds the audio feed happens on is mm-hmm. about a four minute drive from the American Football House. I would that makes sense. Yeah. It's, Champagne Urbana. Yeah, it's there's a there's a, a a pilgrimage that everybody has to take when they go. I, uh, <laughs> but um, do but no, people so, currently live in that house and are they annoyed? Yes and yes. I think it's actually owned by like um, uh, like somebody know. rents it out to students, and so uh, we lived three doors down from the full house house. The and um. It's just an innocuous house, but it's just, it's the one, it's, okay, when I say It's the house, exterior shots, go, yeah. Wow, you mean you live in Almost Square Park? And I go, no, that's where they're having a family picnic. That is not where, yeah. which is, it's still close to the full house house, but no, it's just the exterior shots, like you said, when the camera zooms in and the music kind of fades out yeah. and whatever, the kids are running around and <laughs> stuff happens. Yeah. So, uh, that is uh, like on Google and Apple Maps if you pull it up and whatever. But it's someone's house. Yeah. It's just a regular house. It's a very expensive house. And uh, and people are always outside taking selfies and pictures and whatever. And it, and it's like a like a not – it's not the kind of street where you want to do that. And so it's very annoying. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah, I'd always be like, yeah, I live like three doors down yeah. from the full house house. But, but no, so like that, that Taking Back Sunday rec- – that Taking Back Sunday show – which again, that record became huge, and Taking Back Sunday is a huge deal now. Uh, mm. But it was the Rutabaga, who was a solo kind of slacker rock thing. Um, Blackfoot Dexter, which is this man, they were like this wild, like post hardcore, post punk thing, kind of screechy. And I think there, I don't remember who else played. It was either this emo core band called Caper Newell or a. Um, just some pop punk band, but it's still, it's like not bands that you would necessarily choose to play with taking back Sunday. If you are mm-hmm, mm-hmm. trying to be like, let's keep these people here the whole time. But like, there's that mm-hmm. sort of, and I love mixed band shows, mixed bill shows personally. Yeah, I mean, I love so them. much of the hardcore and emo were, I mean, for God's sake, get up kids and coalesce. To Absolutely. Because, and that makes no sense except you're like, well, except they're friends. Yeah. Yeah, they're friends uh, in Kansas City or wherever. Um and what's his name? James uh Dewey's is is in both. Um but yeah. But yeah, but so it's, I don't know. It's there's this again, the just the diversity, this sort of freshness to it. And I feel like 
even though the money is not involved at the DIY level, the money always is trying to get involved when something pops off. So like Turnstile is an example of a band who very DIY roots, very much in mm-hmm. the hardcore punk scene. And they released Glow On a couple of years ago. And God, if the record labels are not trying to re- replicate that, you know, th- yeah. they are chomping at the bit to find the next yeah. turnstile. And there's something so inauthentic about that because Glow On, for as much as people have decided that they hate that record, um, no, man, people get so done. absolutely. One of the guys, one of my friends that like talks trash about that record now was the first person I heard raving about it. <laughs> like, literally the first person I heard be like, oh man, you gotta just hear this be record. happy about their success. Yeah, but so there's something when the bands are coming up and trying to do those same things and because the label's like, yeah, we're going to give you money to try to do that same thing. This, it loses some of the magic of it because you know, there's the authenticity, the authentic joy that happens when he's like, no, it's a holiday. It's like, you cannot, you can't manufacture that. That that was, yeah, that was not, that was not written by Max Martin right. in some room yeah, and you, handed to the weekend exactly. or you, whatever. You can't sit a bunch of songwriters and producers in a room for a week and come up with that. You know, and uh, so as someone who believes that music has a deep impact, uh, a deep role to play in not only just personal expression, but also in the expression of a community where, Mm -hmm. you know, you look at the songs of, you know, even uh, you look at like, okay, what were the songs of the sixties? Like what was going on? Like in the culture, like the counterculture, the anti war Mm -hmm. effort, whatever, like there are, there's a song book that you could basically put together about Mm -hmm. what was happening politically and globally. And that, exists at a uh, at the ground level that's those songs are being written at the ground level they're not being written in a treehouse on stage on the eras tour <laughs> yeah like you know uh, what's going on by Marvin Gaye one of the most acclaimed records of all time oh yeah and, and he was known already yeah uh, but he wasn't writing that with uh dollar signs in mind i think he was expressing like what it's like to be a black man in the 70s and deal with the changing climate uh and it just happened to be really 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 good and uh, you know and he had to fight the label to release it yeah totally totally they didn't want to put it out they're like no we want you to do what's getting on what's or let's get it on part two yeah um I don't know if Let's Get It On had come if, out at that point. No, I think it was after. <laughs> I think it's probably after. But I get your point. But Anyways, yeah, but it's, I, I, I'm, I, all I can say about the DIY scene is when I was in it, you know, I, I, we would often talk about what would, what would we do if we get money? And we were fine yeah. with the idea. My band was very fine with the idea of 
like Coldplay's second or third record. So Coldplay had three records at the time, not the fourth one yet, which is when I really started hating them. I um, Viva La Vida but, is still my favorite one, honestly. What? You're insane. Nope. Um, Brian Eno did the, that record great. I, you know, was a big Coldplay fan. We all were. And Death Cab fan, we were making music like that, and I was like, okay, so what if, what if we become the next Coldplay? Unlikely, but what if? Um, what happens? And you know, we were all just like, okay, we're comfortable, obviously financially, yeah, great, throw, get, make me rich. But also, it was like, well, we're not going to change our sound. Like I remember having these conversations <laughs> with the band. I'm Man, like, is Coldplay a say, bad example of that now? What if that? Oh yeah, now. Like, what if they come in and say you have to start dressing a certain way and doing this? And I, you know, I think we're all like, well, within reason, I guess. Like, if they if they roll out a wardrobe and and it's like, oh, you can pick out what you want, sure. But if it's like, oh no, you have to start dressing this certain way, yeah. like absolutely not. And so much so that you know, we turn. I mean, I people that know me and know my stories. Broke up the band and turned down a record deal because I it was gross and I didn't want it to happen because uh, the record deal was gross and uh, and caused me to get in some legal trouble. Oops. Um, and I don't regret a second of it. I don't regret it at all. Yeah. I don't at all. Uh, I would have been miserable if that had become anything, and uh, it wouldn't have lasted. It would have fallen apart anyways because I was you know miserable. But um. The DIY world where I was was you know Detroit area and there was a, tr- it was a club called Triune and very similar to like Cornerstone and any other sort of one toe in the Christian world but really trying to be this sort of just safe space and outreach center. It's called Triune and uh, I think it was a Westland, Michigan or Livonia. I think it was Westland. Anyways, uh, like we. I mean, tons of bands. Like, I think Me Without You played there, honestly. Um, but, like, the like one of the guys that was close to the band just, like, worked at the church and had the keys. So we would, like, go and practice. Or we left our gear there. Like, which yeah, is yeah, yeah. nuts. And, of course, and then it's a church thing. So they have, at the time, you don't appreciate it, but they have, like, uh, the sound system is extremely expensive at least for what we could have ever afforded and we got to just use it for free and you know that was just so cool uh looking back i didn't quite appreciate it at the time um but then when we would go and play these historical like smalls in detroit is this known one of the many known venues i remember playing smalls and being like this place is so shitty like compared (laughs) the sound and everything we got i was like yeah because I was used to church stuff, you know, and right. I could not believe how crappy their sound system was. I um, think ch- churches are also, I think, a, an unsung hero of the DIY. Because, like, there are just so many places where it's like a kid goes to his pastor and is like, hey, can I book punk shows? And like, if it brings the youth in. And then, you yeah, know, you, yeah, have, yeah. you have all these mosh pits, which is, <laughs> you know, you have these... Um, in this town, there are so many, just a long line of venues that have opened up for a couple months and then closed when the pastor is like, well, we didn't want those sorts of youths coming in. Yep. <laughs> it's like, yep. So what's, what's really great about, you know, the spot I'm booking in now is like, 
yeah, a church meets there and technically owns the property, but it's like, it's my friend Pat is the mm. guy more or less leading the church now. <laughs> and so it's like, we get to decide what that means, you know? And so it's very important to have those spaces, especially all ages places that are safe places to, uh, you know, play kind of play shitty for a little bit. Like you have mm -hmm. to play a few shitty shows before you can get good. And well, I it's I important to have too, places like that. Uh, the concern when we were starting out and younger, that cause parents were still around, like all our parents still had some say, even though we were, cause we all lived under their roof. Right. Yeah. So whether or not you want to go, I'm an adult, you live at home and it's just whatever. Yeah. It's complicated. Uh, playing in bars was the sort of <laughs> thing that, like, you weren't... Playing a venue that served alcohol is somehow different than playing in bars. And there is yeah. obviously no real distinction other than vibes, but no one wants to say that. Yeah. And so I remember, like, so I brought up Smalls. Like, I remember, like, we were going to play Smalls and, like, you know, the one member of the band had very conservative parents very uptight parents and called like my parents and we were i was like 21 or 22 and i remember just being like are you kidding me right now like furious but also being like we've played like so many places that serve out venues that serve alcohol because yeah. every venue does because that's how they make money but because this dad had heard of Smalls and it was from his <laughs> era, he was like, whoa, they're playing there. Oh, I don't know about that. And you're like, dude, are you kidding me right now? Uh, yeah. And so these venues that you're describing are places where you can go. Typically not. If it's church affiliated, there's no bar typically. Um, and they're not looking to necessarily turn a profit. They're looking to just break even or survive. Right. Yeah. And, or, that's, you know. and that's another thing that's so important because – even in like the lower tier local bar scene, it's just, they're trying to get, all right, who's going to bring in the crowd to get people to buy drinks. And so yeah, we, it's how they make their, yeah. Money. And so we were, we actually were talking about booking a show at a bar in Chicago and like not a big venue at all. Like, you know, mm -hmm. a couple hundred person cap. And we were booked there, and then uh, we were, uh, a friend's band had booked us, put together a bill, and then the promoter was straight up like, nah, we don't know them. We're going to get a local bit, local pop punk band to bring in some more people. And then just straight up told them, like, no, you're going to do a different band. <laughs> Which... like, Oh, like, so they were getting to pick their own opener, and then, which was you. Yeah. And then, ugh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so in that's where I think the the importance of the DIY space over a bar is so, so important. Because, you, like I said, you have to have a few shitty shows under your belt before you can do some mm -hmm. good ones. And if everything is performing at, like, a certain level. And again, not saying that DIY shows are at a lower level. But there is a freedom to fail a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. And, like, especially, like, in open mic nights and there are you know yeah. some legendary open mics where the place that i played in chicago i found an open mic uh a few blocks away from my apartment which is like where the smashing pumpkins started out 
Yeah. You know, just started playing at Wednesday nights on this open mic stage at uh, the Cabaret Review or whatever it's called. Mm. And just, you know, got enough attention to start booking some bigger shows. And it's not even, I think, because, you know, people always talk about, you know, like paying your dues and like playing VFW halls, whatever. And I don't Mm. even think it's as much about that as it is... Uh, having something from the get that isn't immediately marketable. Something that has an artistic purpose beyond just, oh yes, any record label will want to hear this and put it out. Like, to have something that exists separate from how can the corporations make money off of this. And so yeah. that's that's where I am. I would encourage all of you, if you are not already going to DIY shows, we all know you are, Mike. Um, we all know you are, South. Uh, and so the two others of you listening to this podcast um, find oh, yeah, we're, we're routinely crossing crossing into the the uh, sorry the triple digits the triple digits the triple digits hey there we go we're big we're big yeah 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 but so yeah absolutely find something. Uh, I would say, especially if you are only used to seeing larger bands, uh, you know, maybe even just get on Bandcamp a little bit and like scroll around, like look through, you know, search the tag for your local area and see what's kicking around there and then go to a couple shows there. And because it's it's a wild scene, man. It's nothing like it. And it is, I realized last night just how much time I, uh, have been able to give to this Mm -hmm. because you know i came back from a diy music festival and then set up a diy show like literally like the next week it was there was not even there was five days in between (laughs) you know i got back wednesday morning at 6 a.m i drove through the night and then i did it i was very tired and then i (laughs) i was incredibly tired uh and then set up a show sunday night you know and so it's Something that I and I and I realize just how how lucky I am to do this, and I just love mm-hmm. doing all that. And you know, it's well, we've have, to, ta- have the bandwidth for it, right? Yeah, to have the bandwidth it, for it, it would be hard if you were, you know, working some a real job or a week office <laughs> job. Yeah, right. It would be in and commuting. Yeah, right. You, it just eats into it. Right, but for sure, like you know, we've talked a lot about. I don't know if we've talked about it on here, but I've talked a lot about the time I've spent living in Chicago trying to break into the music industry. Mm-hmm. And like, I just constantly am filled with the thought, like, this is why I moved back. Mm-hmm. This is why I did it. And so there's something personable beyond it, beyond just the con- the relationship of, you know, consumer and producer and just when you enter into the conversation that an artist is having with you is something mm-hmm. incredibly sacred and special that I have not found to be happening in too many arenas. Uh, it's probably happening with Robert Smith, but he's a very, very rare. <laughs> he's a very, very rare cat. You know. But yeah, that's that's it. Find out what's going on in your local DIY scene. I agree. I agree. All right. Another one so, in the books. DIY. 
Le- I, uh, as CBGB's everything. OMFUG. Got, and listen. A lot, a lot of acronyms. <laughs> OMFUGS. They just said OMFUGS. CBGBs and OMFUGS. Uh, yeah, and Liz, man, listen to just about anything that was coming out of that sort of scene in the late 70s, oh, early 80s. Yeah. It's all so good. It's ridiculous. All so good. Unreal. Unreal. But... Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, now, weekly pick. You got a weekly. You got a weekly pick for me. Yes, in the spirit of DIY, an album that has been very, very near to my heart and getting a lot of attention in my brain lately is mm-hmm. uh, "Jagged Little Pill" by Alanis Morissette. <laughs> I. Oh man, I don't even know what it was that made this. M- it just like grabbed me one day where I was just like, oh, this is, I'm going to put this on. I think I just got uh, You Out of No stuck in my head. And yeah, that's one where oh um, it's God. so famous and I know the singles, but if, can I say when the last time I was to front to back? I don't, I don't it's know. half singles. Yeah. I was listening to it. It's like, it's like the Matchbox 20s first record or something. Or like. I know all of them. Or like Purple Rain. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. Or or Bad by Michael Jackson, where it's just like, oh, all of these are. Um, it is such a great record. And, you know, as often as, you know, people like Olivia Rodrigo or Billie Eilish mm-hmm. or Lord get kind of trashed on by, you know, the the snooty white men writing for various music publications. Like, it's so funny to me that they are, that anybody would kind of talk, like use like, Oh, it's just this girl writing this breakup record, or whatever. When freaking jagged little pill exists. Cause she was 21, 21 I years old. I'm pretty sure pretty young. I'm pretty sure she is 21 years old when she wrote this record maybe about her breakup with Dave Coulier <laughs> speak to bring it back to full house. Um, and it is uncompromising and unflinching and just the rawest best sort of thing, but like also like vulnerable in this great, <coughs> just really kind of surprising vulnerability to it where, you know, you'll go from a track like You Oughta Know, which is like, this is the woman scorned that the proverb is talking mm. about, that hell hath no fury. Like, like mm-hmm. there she is, right here, Flea's playing bass behind her. This is who it's about. And then you go to listen to a track called Perfect, which is the immediately after track, which is like just heartbreaking. And like, like this girl, is she knows nothing. She is just racked in insecurity and lack of confidence and just the beautiful vulnerability that she can uh, throw toward, you know, whatever. And it's front to back, an 11 out of 10 record. It's so good. All right, I need to give this a proper listen then. You do. It's one I know, but <laughs> it I need is. Oh, God. It is. Man, it is incredible. Um, it's funny today. Lauren and I were talking about 90s records that are beloved uh, and I was like you know I've never really listened to Wiz Fair and so I listened to Wiz Fair's uh, what's it called um, Exile in Guyville yeah. today it was really like oh, damn like because Wiz Fair has always just been so associated with uh, like like 
like angry feminism, but not in a way that made me want to listen to it. It was like, oh, I'm just going to be yelled at the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't necessarily if I want to tune in for this. And man, it was a good record. I only bring that up. That's not my pick of the week. I just bring it up because that's another one. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and it's how it's like, interesting to me. Guy was really good. Yeah. Like, how have I never listened to this? And it's interesting it's to me that she never me. really got her due for that. I feel like because I remember she got critical acclaim, but like, I remember Avril Lavigne coming out and then me feeling like Liz Fair is just an Avril Lavigne ripoff. <laughs> when it's like Wait, Liz Fair is an Avril? You mean inverse or no. had you not heard Liz Fair yet? I hadn't heard Liz Fair yet. Oh, oh, oh and oh, but it but the way that she was marketed was like, hey, Liz Fair too. And it was um, it was like, no, Liz Fair probably was writing the records that Avril Lavigne was listening to when she wrote this. Um, but similar, keeping in, in journey with women, DIY women, uh, I, I'm i obsessed with PJ Harvey. She's one of my favorites, and I've been revisiting a lot of her records because uh, she just had a new one come out Friday. Ooh. And uh, to bring you my love uh, is my pick of this week. PJ Harvey's to bring you my love. And I've been revisiting that one more than ever. And it's just, I mean, everybody knows down by the water. If you don't, you should, you should, th- that song is incredible. I don't you think should. I've knowingly it's, ever listened to PJ Harvey. Oh man. You're in for treat. You're in for treat. I'm sure. Uh, what got me into, P- she's always been known to me as this cool, cool angsty edgy chick and then when uh-huh her came out i was i think that was oh four that was my first exposure to her and then i went backwards and okay i listened to uh dry and in all her earlier ones yeah. um but yeah she was my love that's my that's my pick she was it's it's, it's a banger yeah front to back she was kind of tied in like with the nick cave scene yeah. right well, she dated okay. nick cave Ah, there you Cave. go. She sing. She dated Nick Cave. She sings on uh, his one record. Uh, love the ballad. The blanking on the name, but the big mid nineties ballad one. Uh, she sings on that. Red right hand. No, <laughs> which is I guess the only Never. Nick Cave song that Never. any music sur- supervisor has ever heard. <sighs> All right. There was some now. movie we were watching the other day, and and that song played, and Michelle was like, "Do they not know any other songs? <laughs> this song again?" No, it has yeah. been wonderful. It has, been. and I love you. Let's I have to peace. Let's not bad. wait as long. <laughs> in the next let's one. not wait as long. And let's get our. We have two in the chamber now, so let's get the next one out. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> I will see you all later. And if you're still listening, thank you, God bless. Yes. Bye. Thank you for listening to D2 Radio. This podcast is hosted and produced by Jesse Atkinson and Matt Fitzgerald, who apologize for their rambling, but they also won't adjust their behavior, so their apology should be taken with a grain of salt. If, for whatever reason, you want more, you can follow at D2RadioPod on all socials and visit D2RadioPod.com. Someone, please sponsor us.